trigger warning, this episode contains discussion of BDSM, submission and power play. It's not thinking about anything. I get yes. that roller coaster feeling. It's like kind of how I imagine flying might feel. It's that kind of suspension, yeah. which is lovely. It's like everything stops for a moment. Hello, so this is Alice. We talk in this episode about boundaries, BDSM, doing Duolingo in between orgasms, oh, and attending Anne Summers parties at a very early age, amongst other things. It's a crackerjack one. I did it with Alice, the episode. We actually have never had sex it, a couple of years ago. It was my first ever Come As You Are record. As you can hear, we're on a bed. Uh, I think I chose to do that because at the time, I assumed all the recordings would be on a bed, you know, prevalent to the podcast, but also obviously wanted to be like Paulie Yates, the icon that was on Big Breakfast, that's British Breakfast TV back in the 90s, maybe early noughties, can't remember, but definitely during my childhood, a staple of getting ready for school. And she interviewed all of her guests on a big old bed. Look, it's sexy. It's an intimate record. You get that, but you lose a lot in sound quality slash just general duvet shuffling. So (laughs) I've never done another on the bed. It was my bed. I don't think I've clarified that. It wasn't just some random's bed. Although maybe that would have lended even more of a sexual frisson. Alice is a friend of mine. She runs or ran. I mean, what is pandemic life? Before everything had to be paused, she was instrumental as part of a collective of artists running the best comedy night slash live art night in South East London. They really stepped up their presence online during the pandemic. Who bloody hasn't? And I will tag some of their stuff in the episode notes. But yeah, Alice was, is a real driving force within that group. She's a writer, a performer, a director, a dramaturg, a clown. We mentioned that at one point. I wanted to head it up because otherwise it seems really weird when I go, we're both clowns, as if I'm insulting her. I'm not at all. If you've listened to any of these episodes, especially the Sam Holdsworth one, you will know that for me, calling someone an idiot is the highest acclaim. I am doing this recording for the intro on International Women's Day. I, what have I done for International Women's Day? Oh, well, you might be able to hear it in my voice. I've had uh, a little spoonful of peanut butter chased by a teaspoon of black cherry jam. Uh, It's not something I don't do every single day, but let's pretend (laughs) it's something to be celebrated. That's what the day is all about, right? Just appreciating yourself extra and bigging up the brilliant women in your life. Speaking of which, I am so lucky to produce this podcast alongside Lorna Rose Treen and Daisy Grant. I know I big them up at the end of every episode, but I wanted to do it at the beginning just in case you don't listen to that bit. And you can contribute to the making of this podcast monetarily, please, through our Patreon and our Ko-fi. We are www.ko-fi.com forward slash Helen Duff and www.patreon.com forward slash Helen Duff. The first is for a one-off donation. The second is for a continued donation and a bunch of extra audio treats which only Patreon subscribers can access. Plus some little writings as well. Fun times. So, without further ado, I better go and brush my teeth. We all remember what the dentist said to me the other day, although apparently some of us continue to ignore her advice and uh, just live our lives as a literal jammy bitch. Oh, one last thing I have to mention, otherwise it's going to throw you right off rhythmically. There's no orgasm at the end. 
There is an orgasm at some point in the show, and there's a cracking orgasm joke in the final moments of the episode. Gosh, it's going to really float your boat. Get ready for that. But I just wanted you to know that it's not exactly the same as the rest of our ex because it was such an early record, and we just thought, shake it up. Sex isn't always the same. Here's Alice. party I won a vibrator and it was like a little dolphin that's mm. all it was it was a tiny little dolphin mm. it's very cute did it was it doing like so a it was on jump, like a, so it was slightly curved it was yeah it was slightly curved and then that just vibrated it was like jelly and then it was on just like a stick but I don't know if you were supposed to use the stick I didn't I just used the dolphin I remember I took that sounds like a great angle actually. it's it's good it's cute yeah. and I remember starting to use that mm. and that was like a then I got quite lazy and I would only ever use that. Right. And then I've always had a vibrator since then, at least one. And I my I grew up with a mother who was very open about sex toys, probably too much. Yeah. But like she used to show me like the things that her boyfriend bought her. Right. And like would be like, look on my shelf, I've got condoms, I wanted to know I'm practicing safe sex. So she was very I think her mum was quite repressed Catholic who was like, Don't watch kissing, it's evil on the TV. Yeah. So for me she was like, do whatever you like. And then when I was about eight, I remember I had a chat with her because I started doing that thing that a lot of kids do where I would rub against the sheet yeah. or a pillow mm. and I like hum, basically hump a pillow. Mm. And I was like, it feels really nice. And I was about eight and my mum was like, it's fine. That's like a normal thing. Don't be embarrassed what by that. a great response. Yeah, it was really good. But obviously I was still a bit like... But then me and this a friend of mine used to... like. I always remember in her grandfather's house, weird guest room and there were two single beds she was four years younger than me and I like showed her how to do it and we'd like rush away but on two beds That's great, in the though. same room because I remember yeah basically mm-hmm. doing the same act room that I still do mm-hmm. probably when I was around eight or nine yeah I, I was quite from about eight yeah definitely uh, I would wank regularly but I would ne- I never told anyone and I was quite late bloomer when it came to like kissing anyone mm, me too I... and people thought I was very like they wouldn't necessarily think that I was <laughs> wanking away yes. after school. It's weird that yeah. split that that then creates in your kind of thought about yourself, mm. the way that you're, you kind of build like a little secret life, mm-hmm. which then is quite hard to make the transition between like, this is my secret life, my little private mm. thing that I really enjoy with myself actually. Um, and then when you start having sex with someone else, sharing that. I found wanking in front of someone. The first time I ever wanked in front of someone on a pillow on my front yes. was a very liberating moment. It was one of the best orgasms I've ever had. Wow. But it was so like, it was quite. I felt quite embarrassed. But I think that also fed into the situation. That's but cool. that's a whole. That's new really topic. interesting. Yeah. So mentally, you felt quite exposed. Definitely. That was exciting but he was very supportive of it and yes. was like you obviously want to do it yeah but I was a bit like oh I don't know if I want to do it in front of you yeah it was a very interesting mindset to be in but for me it's like but you were still able to get over it yeah it didn't stop you <laughs> no and I think for me it's that like letting go of being embarrassed that's the feed because I'm quite an anxious person yeah. and I think when you orgasm you don't think about any it's not thinking about anything I get yes. that roller coaster feeling 
it's like kind of how I imagine flying might feel that kind of suspension yeah which is lovely it's like everything stops for a moment kind of like the moment when you're on a swing mm-hmm. and you reach the top yeah just before you then yeah definitely come down and now when I think about orgasms they're kind of linked to me a little bit to do with power play and like submission and that's where it's called subspace when you go into a it's a bit like that feeling I guess when you orgasm mm. climax but it's a space where you you have no you're just completely in that moment you're not thinking about anything else mm-hmm. it's like a moment it's like in I think and it's with I don't like saying regular sex and mm. submissive sex I don't like saying that because I think if you find the right person to do it with they can blur and that's what really turns me on at the moment yeah the idea that someone can dominate you privately and if you're I'm quite loud like and short, quite confident when I'm out and if I'm with someone and they dominate me privately and they can subtly do it in public that's a big turn on to me wow but I mean I've not had that much experience of it how does it work if it works? but it would just be like if you have a coat like if there's a rule that you have in the bedroom that they might slip into a conversation or they might whisper something in your ear at the dinner table if you're with friends like that to me is really sexy because it's like something that's private between you but I'm somebody who I'm very private I would I don't talk that much about it's funny because we're doing it now but I don't talk about my sex life to many people when you told me I was really surprised yeah yeah and And not because I any judgment attached to it just because I yeah didn't expect it Essentially, I guess, because and I think I get off the kind of person who goes around. Yeah, I don't talk about it openly, which I think I would like to a bit more, and I'm trying to write a bit more about it and my own experiences. But I like them to have boundaries. Yeah, for me, it's just like especially when it's something that's special to you. We do a lot of obviously this podcast seems like (laughs) anathema to that, but I think there is a line to be drawn around keeping certain spaces special. And intimate, and it's between the two people there. Yeah. Which is, yeah, one of the most intimate relationships I've ever had was with, and also I'm very open with people I date now about what I like. Mm -hmm. And that was a very freeing, liberating process because I've had a boyfriend in the past who I said that I was into BDSM and he was like, I'm up for trying stuff. And it ended up being very much about him and what he thought dominating me meant Mm -hmm. and actually if you read about submission it is about the person who's submitting Mm -hmm. the attention is all on them and that's what's it's amazing as well to have that much attention focused on making you relax and it's about relaxation for me as well it's release of like stress and anxiety Mm. worrying I worry a lot it's not trying not to worry about things because you're in that moment, you can't, you can't think about anything else. Sometimes when you have sex with someone, again, I don't want to say regular sex, but sometimes you can be a bit like, oh, I've got this to do as well, and I've got this. And yeah. you're enjoying it, but you're like, oh, really? Like, especially if it's time constraints, that's never sexy, is it? But it's like, oh, well, I exactly. really need to leave, though, because I need to get to work. I felt really guilty the other day because I had exactly that experience. Yeah. And that's what I mean, I think, about being too honest. I think in my body, I'm maybe too honest because I essentially I think I like to do something fully or not at all I'm the same 
I think if I don't have the time, and I think that's the problems I've had with exes before, they're like, oh, let, we'll do a scene or something. And I'm like, but I don't have time. I have 20 minutes and then I need to eat my breakfast and go to work. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not going to be able to relax. I'm not going to be able to orgasm because I'm not relaxed. I love this image. And, so they're just like, but please, you could be the nurse. I could yeah. be <laughs> just 10 minutes. Yeah, but when am I going to get my weeds bits? Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I need three meals a day. Yeah. I'll tell you about my first ever, like, proper experience. Right. Well, actually not first ever, because the first guy I met, um, we, the guy who I was very close with, and we saw each other for like a year, on and off, but we were friends. It was a weird, I've never really had a relationship with someone where we just have sex and with friends i'm not really a very casual person i once had sex with a friend and then he asked me if i would stay for steak with his mum and dad and i ran away (laughs) (laughs) but i remember so i'd I'd met this guy on this site and we'd had this amazing conversation about sexuality Mm. and in hindsight what i loved about it as well was because i didn't really realize but he was like probing me for what i liked we had these really kind of philosophical conversations, massive, like too long, you know, when you said a really, really long text and then you're like, oh, sorry, it's an essay at the end. Mm. That kind of thing. We sent loads of these messages about things that turned me on that I'd never explored. So ideas of like someone being able to undermine my intelligence, mm. that turns me on. Mm. And somebody who could take something I say and turn it round on me. Or someone that, because I think with power play, especially in sex, I'm quite cheeky. I like to undermine it. And if I undermine it and they don't realise, then I lose respect. Such a turn off, yeah. Because I'm like, oh, well, I've just, I've basically just like made you look like an idiot. It's essentially like somebody not getting your joke. And I, uh, yeah, exactly. And I trick people. (laughs) I trick people. And then if they, if they are tricked, then I'm like, oh, I don't, you couldn't dominate. And so... for me, that's why it can't be casual either because I can't... I It takes quite a lot for me to trust someone enough to completely submit to them mm. because I'm like, you need to be on it otherwise. That's so fascinating. So in the build-up to submitting to somebody, essentially you are putting them through a little bit of a test. It's like an interview, yeah. 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 So you're quite powerful, that whole lead-up before you let yourself... I think the, the person submitting is the most powerful one in the dynamic because they're allowing themselves to submit. I think if it's more casual, not necessarily, and that's when feelings can be hurt, I think. And it and you read lots of stories online and people submit to people and, and they don't read the signs and people get accidentally hurt and horrible. And so And normally, from my experience with the kink community, everyone's very open with each other, very honest, and it taught me a lot about what I think relationships should be. Yeah. So we had this big long chat, me and this guy, and then, I'm, and I've never had this before as well, where, so up until that point, I'd only had sex with people that I knew quite well, we were friends, or like, I knew I'd probably date. Yeah, but with this guy, we had this chat, and it basically turned out, I could tell that he'd, he'd done both, and I, at first, he'd switched, and I'd never met someone who had switched before. Uh-huh. And, Between dumb and, uh, and submissive, yeah. Stuff, yeah. And I was like, I don't know, that puts me off, the fact that he's submitted. And which was inter- and so I asked him a lot about that. And then he, he had had more experiences as a submissive. And he was like, oh, um, explaining the feelings he liked. And it became very clear that what he liked in submitting 
was what I like. Mm. I liked the idea of, because I'd never done it. Someone said to me, they were like, oh, um, well, you're an actor, so it's like playing a part. And I said, no. For me, it's not like playing a part. It's being real, and it's like, it's not scripted. And that's really important to me. I'm not going to fake submission. I could play that part if I wanted to, to make someone happy, but I don't want, that won't make me happy. That's not what's going to get me off. So, sticky, Mm -hmm. or people do it badly, is because obviously, especially if you're a woman, there are loads of situations in which you end up being uh, less powerful. Yeah. Inferior, let's say, rather than using the same word as submissive. Yeah. Um, Not by your own volition. Mm-hmm. And so one of the reasons why actively making the choice to be submissive and giving somebody that power, giving it to them, is exciting, is because it's sort of enacting a lived experience that you've had but haven't had a say-so over. Yeah, it's, def- it's definitely about that. It's for me, anyway. I can't speak for every woman who can, yeah. but it's that choice and it's giving that control away. For me, I find very relaxing. Because then I'm like, I'm not in control of this moment. And that's amazing. But I am in control because I've said what I... Like, we've said what's... Like, I've said what I don't, I'm not happy with or what I don't want. And that's very clear. And that's something I learnt very quickly. And I think where things get sticky with um, King especially is... I You don't do it if you're feeling... Personally, and this is the rules I've always had, not when you've been drinking. Mm-hmm. Because like the views and you can misjudge things I think when you've been drinking and not if you're feeling low yeah the first time you had sex with this guy so yeah so I met him so we had all this discussion it was very interesting and then one night he turned it and turned it it went quite sexual it was about if I if I did something if I said something what he would do right and it was very sexy because I was like oh he's actually trying to take a bit of control now and I was very interested by the... Of course, you're cooking dinner. Yeah. And he says, if you try and put garlic in this bolognese, I will... That kind of thing. That kind of thing, yeah. And um, I love that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be garlic in a bolognese. What? Well, that would give you but, something to yeah, fight against. But... Yeah, what? Um, I, and I like fighting as well. I'm quite... Um, I'm, quite uh, I'm not a submissive person in life, but I'm not a ve- overly confrontational person. Yeah. And I find in the bedroom I can be quite confrontational and it's really fun yeah. to just be like, no, I don't want that. But then sometimes I do want it. It's very confusing. Yeah, and that's really why is. I think you need to be really intimate with someone so that they know what you actually want. Right. Um, but with this person, I met him and we had this really interesting discussion. <laughs> uh, we were talking... We weren't that. We he ended up sitting quite close to me. He made me feel quite uncomfortable, but I was finding that very sexy. This feeling, mm. and then <laughs> I'm going to tell you, it's ridiculous. So he was like, "We're going to go to M and S, and we're going to buy something together." And I was like, "Okay." <laughs> and we went to M and S on Holloway Road, and he picked up this horrible lighting, <gasps> like the most horrible lighting you've ever seen. And like it was like twelve pounds or something. He was like, and I was like, I do not want this nighty. It was hideous. He was like, gave he gave me the money, and he was like, go and buy this nighty. And he was like, and he just like watched me buy it. 
he wasn't next to me or anything and it was so intrusive and it was I found it really embarrassing and quite humiliating but it was really it was very unusual feeling I'd never felt like that before not because none of my ex-boyfriends had asked me to buy a weird thing that I wouldn't want but it was very it was a really interesting and exciting feeling and I didn't really know what it was like but I was enjoying it it's funny I think Great. good BDSM is funny you can laugh about it Super. afterwards. Yeah. And that's where this story is going. There's a lot of laughter in this story at the end. So I bought it and then I said, do you want to come to my house? And I've never done that before. I've never met someone on that day yeah. and had sex with them, mm-hmm. ever. And it felt like a really big deal. And But I felt very like I felt like I knew him because we've had all these discussions. And obviously I was very safe and I'd spoken to friends and said I was meeting someone and there's a thing called a safety call that you you sometimes you set up with a friend we had a very funny time it was very well it was like very intense and we had like a year when we were on and off and we would see each other and it would always be in those kind of roles one of the best thing ever and the thing that turned me on the most and it was and often we didn't have like penetrative sex and he wouldn't often he wouldn't even touch me but it was incredible like it was very intimate Mm. and he one time I went to his house and I, I'd never been to his house before and I met him, I was meeting him at a station and he texted me and he said, I want you to walk this way and I was like, are you not meeting me here? And he was like, I just want you to walk that way and I knew he was watching me and it was so sexy mm. but I don't, and it was but it was scared, it was fear, fear is such a powerful emotion but when harnessed and used when you're in control of it it's very exciting. I said to my friend recently, I said, one of the best sexual, like, I was about to say session, sounds odd. <laughs> but one of the, some of the best sex I had with this person, actually, who I saw for a while, he didn't take his clothes off. I did, yeah. but he didn't take his clothes off. And we didn't have penetrative sex. And I never saw his penis. But it was incredible. And my friend was like, that isn't sex. And I was like, to you, maybe it isn't. But to me, to go through that roller coaster of emotions and to feel like scared, excited, like absolute, like completely liberated, free to be myself in front of someone. And that's so intimate. Mm. That was, yeah, really incredible. No fun anymore. All you do. Now, to have good sex, it's about being honest with my partner about things that I've enjoyed in the past, things that I like exploring. And if they want to explore it with me, that's amazing. Mm. And and it's going to be different with everyone, like everyone's experience. of. And that's what I love about when you meet people who are into kink as well. Mm-hmm. It's great because everyone has such different views. And it's amazing because, like, what turns me on won't turn on the next person. And something they're into, I'm like, oh, I can get it, but it's not for me. Mm. And I love that, like, everyone is so different in what they like. And I think the problem for me was for so long I knew what I liked, but I didn't want to say it because I was like, it makes me super weird or it's really not feminist or Mm. I'm not, like, it's not, I'm not being a powerful woman if I like that. How do you know, no, no? Is that because you... Sorry, it sounded like I was doing a Destiny's Child. Yeah, no, no, um, no. I meant like for sure, be so certain. Is it because it's just what you visualised and fantasised about? 
yeah and things and just I would sometimes when I had sex with um, exes I would imagine them saying things to me right but I wouldn't tell them I would just imagine them a bit like what you were saying earlier about um the idea of being watched I remember with one partner I remember where I was as well but I remember I would what I would imagine I was being watched through a window by someone else and that whilst having sex whilst having sex and that felt slightly degrading because they were watching without my permission right and I enjoyed that feeling of being observed fascinating I think I would probably play that out as being as if you were so desirable that people wanted to come to the window and watch I don't know maybe (laughs) (laughs) but it was yeah I remember having that thing where I was like and that made me orgasm actually because I wasn't and I felt like I was close and then I imagined people watching yeah and that pushed me to the edge is there something about pain is there something tied in because I'm really interested in the way that BDSM can help you to reclaim certain states that Mm. you might have been pushed into or yeah. existed within where you weren't in control of it and, and then you get control. to kind of play it out in your sexual life yeah. where you are in control of it it's something you're asking for it's something you're enjoying you're taking pleasure from something I've the phrase I've used with people before which people use is consensual non-consent right which is an, giving that consent to not be in charge in that time yeah because that's yeah it, things that you do in private and empower you in private you wouldn't you wouldn't enjoy if it was not consented so it's a very yeah it's an interesting boundary when i think it's reclaiming that is definitely the right way of describing that pain is a i guess is just dependent on what you enjoy as well i like being pushed just in in a direction maybe that i fight against at first yeah. I like being challenged. I think that's the right thing. I like sex sometimes to be challenging. I still feel in myself there's barriers in certain parts of my life where I'm like, I can see the barrier mm. inside my head. And I'm like, I know. And I know sometimes it's comforting. I'm like, I know I'll break that at some point, but I know I've still got work to do on that. And I think most people have that mm. in different areas of their life. But I find it really liberating that with sex now, I feel that I'm starting to push those barriers. And I'm doing that myself, but I'm letting people help me do that. It's about asking for help as well, I think, a lot. Yeah. So what are they saying? Are they giving you verbal cues? Like, you need to do this, Alice. Or are they physically... I think, for me, it's less about pain. It's more about, like, mental challenges. Yeah. So about being made to do things that I'm like, I do not want to do that at all. But that really turns me on. The idea that I'm like no and they just say it's quite it's definitely a sadistic kind of thing that um balance i think the difference between like a dominance come in all shapes and sizes and it's all different types of domination some people are very loving and caring when they dominate some people are like very strict and like there are strict rules and you write them all out i quite like what i've enjoyed is quite a sadistic form of like you don't know what's going to happen you're kind of on edge the whole time mm-hmm. and I don't like horror films and someone said to me once who I was talking sex with they were like but you like feeling uneasy in in your sex life and I was like maybe that's for me that's more real than with a film I don't know. and it's not even that you like feeling 
but there's no putting words into your mouth. Is it that you like feeling uneasy, which is the kind of word that you would use for a horror film? Yeah. Or is it that you like exploring it's ex- in a contained space that in between? It's that exciting. That sort of ambiguity yeah. that like, I don't really know where Is that too lies. far? Yeah. Is that not? Yeah, and it's private and it's safe and you know the per- you, you know the person well. I think you can only go further with someone once you get to know them more. I guess yeah. like any sex, like I feel like sex normally gets, gets better when mm. you've been with someone for longer. And that's what I find exciting about BDSM. Like the longer you spend with someone, the more that they can push you and the more they realise what kind of things you really don't like and they might use that to kind of torture you a bit. Cool. And I find that quite... That's very sexy. Do you mind if we try? Uh, yeah, sure. So once someone <laughs> wrote a poem about how he was going to like take me down to this place where I would be like wriggling around and desperate basically. Yeah. And he made me read the poem out and I hated this fucking poem. <laughs> <laughs> And it made me laugh because I hated the poem. So anything after that poem that actually happened? Did you get taken down to a place where you had to wriggle on your own? I've wriggled before. (laughs) I hate wriggling. That's something I don't like. You don't like wriggling? No, I don't like wriggling. And I've been like... (laughs) It's funny. When I look back on it, I laugh a lot. And we have conversations, me and him. We're still friends. I'm like, I can't believe you made me do that. And we're like cracking up about it over coffee. You probably have to be more specific. Because I would imagine... If yeah. I was listening to this, yeah. you were being whipped, you were being cut. Oh, no, being, no. But we're actually talking about you being made to wriggle. Yeah, I've, been, I've, had, like, <laughs> I've had like tape around my thighs and my shins. And he was like, you're a little worm. And like wriggle about on the floor, which isn't sexy. No. And that's what I find hilarious about the sex. Yes. It's not sexy, but it's liberating. Yes. It's fun. Because we are also clowns. Yeah. And for somebody to be able to be foolish with yeah. you... I find and to make you look like a fool you can't take yourself too seriously and I think that's a very liberating feeling and I think I take myself less seriously since I've explored sex in that way I remember once he made a little song about a mop and (laughs) he'll probably listen to this what the hell Alice no um, (laughs) if he's listening he's so cool yeah somebody made um, a song about a mop to turn me on (laughs) it was like a nursery rhyme and I was like that's a hideous song and he was like I like just wash my hair and he was like sing the song and I was like oh and I don't like singing that's something I really find singing something I really struggle with performance so I get very nervous yeah. have to sing in an audition or anything and he knew that and he was like and it's great because you kind of overcome fears as well in the room yes. it's great but he was like sing the song so, and like mop well, the floor a therapeutic process of BDSM set <laughs> mopping the floor with my hair and singing with a song with your hair yeah amazing thing but that to me i was, wish i, could I film think that. that as yeah that's so funny i bet you would yeah, yeah. i mean but i'm like, terrible i'll film anything like i've talked about laughter as well yeah a lot in the bedroom and like i like when you're close to someone you can laugh but i've talked a lot about with the person i saw about someone laughing at me yeah and that is something that i find really interesting because but that's it's not on my terms they're laughing at me it's not like I've, I've written something or I'm doing something right. on stage to make someone laugh. They're laughing at me. Is That's quite an interesting and you don't dynamic. Like that. No, but I do like it because I don't like it. Okay. It's hard to explain. That's so cool. But I quite, um, that's quite a fun thing to play with. I like the way you have made such a strong choice to kind of take ownership over the things you don't like. 
Yeah, it's your face those fears. Yeah. <laughs> like, instead of going like, oh, I don't like this, stop it. Make yeah. it stop. You kind of go, oh, I don't like this. Oh, yeah. let's explore why that yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. But I've always been, like, somebody who likes to push, mm. like, limits with myself. Like, you know, if you, like... Once, <laughs> this was so stupid. I, like, try and put my mouth on an ice tray because I know it's a stupid thing to do. But I'm like, go and do it. I'd, like, dare myself to do it. Doesn't end up well. I don't know why I did it. Don't do that. But yeah. <laughs> it's like a you or like if you trap your finger in something like with a peg or something, then you yeah. like push it down more because you're like, go on, do a bit more. You can do a bit more. I have a thing where I almost lost my shit, and I don't mean physically. Yeah. I didn't mention it myself. <laughs> where um somebody was breathing into my ear. Yeah. Whilst not really holding me down, more just. I was kind of almost restricting my own movement against their body. Yeah. I guess we were kind of spooning. Yeah. It was so so overwhelming in terms of this like just the kind of wetness and the like mm. the amount of sound that I was getting and I was uh, like wriggling doesn't even begin I was like just having these hugely jerky responses and it was extraordinary um but I kind of stopped it before I got to a point of but I'm kind of intrigued now after what you said to see how much yeah. longer I could stay with the discomfort it's just being aware of like I think that's the thing about, like, alcohol and, like, if you're feeling low, it's about yes. being aware. You don't want to push it too far that then you feel yeah. bad. And obviously, I've had experiences like that. It's just one of those that you just have to, like, be try and be really aware of how you're feeling. And sometimes that's hard. Did you, did you, did you really want me? Do you know yourself? How well do you know me? My mum told me a really bad joke about orgasms. What was it? <laughs> I'm building this into the podcast. Because I told her about um, the podcast. Yeah. And she was like, oh, that's really interesting. And she's always like, I've always been very open with you about sex, haven't I? Like, well done me. I'm like, I love it. And she was like, and I was like, yeah, you definitely have. Um, And then she she was like, do you want to hear a joke about... I'm not going to tell it well because it's not good. And I mean... Tell it like it's a very good joke. Okay. Do your mother justice. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Husband and a wife. Very heteronormative as well, but a husband and a wife. Uh, are sitting down chatting and he says I wish you told me when you orgasm because I'd love to know in the moment when you're orgasming and she goes well you're never there dear <laughs> <laughs> such a classic such a classic I thought you were going to say I thought the end of that joke was going to be um, I'll bear it in mind and I'll let you know when it finally happens yeah great as well <laughs> So that was Alice. Please feel free to submit your better orgasm jokes. Not taking Alice's mum down, even one bit, but just saying we could probably improve. This episode was edited by Lorna Treen and the podcast is produced by me, Helen Duff, Lorna Treen and Daisy Grant. Hit us up if you want to employ brilliant women to produce top quality audio content. This is our penultimate episode in the series. We've got one more to release after this. Wow, that is so exciting. I can't believe we've almost completed series one. So many cool guests coming up in series two and the finale of this season is Chef's Kiss. Tag us in your stories if you're enjoying it. I love that. We are Come As You Are Pod on Instagram and Facebook. And keep reviewing on iTunes. J'adore that. I don't know why I'm going so French this episode. Maybe it's because I'm trying to make up for the fact that I didn't know what Duolingo was. Shame. Also, spoiler alert. No, it's not. It's a treat. Just for you who stayed on to listen to the very end of the episode. 
I recorded this interview with Alice before I'd ever had an orgasm. Wow, I wonder how that changes the way you listen to it. Maybe you should go back, give it a second, turn around the old ear holes and let me know. (laughs) I have really enjoyed this journey of finding out about other people's pleasure and expanding my understanding of my own in the process. So thank you for coming with us and I will leave all the major thank yous to the next one. But given I am a week late celebrating International Women's Day on the pod for the rest of this week at least, take care of yourself.